Almost live from Loveland, Colorado. This is Disclosure from the good people at The Voice of Prophecy. My name is Sean Boonstra, and I say almost live today because this is what people in the industry would call live to tape, which means it's not live. I don't know. That seems like a cheat, doesn't it, Alex? Yeah, it does. We are live to tape. Yeah, and I'm alive, too. So that's live. So no, we are recording alive better than... Well, the show should be more interesting if we're both alive. It I should. It should. Yeah, because, um, well... I'm not sure I'd say much. If well, was, there's that verse in the Bible says the dead know nothing. And, you know, I'm not sure how much right. I actually know, but um, we're alive. And we're, we're alive. thankful to be alive. And <laughs> what we're going to do today... Notice I, I wore my um, I wore my Dutch orange T-shirt under my coat this morning. That's actually Oranje in Dutch. It's our national color, and uh, I got this shirt. That's our coat of arms. It's a really? lion. Yeah, it's a lion. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're from Puerto Rico. I'm from Puerto Rico. Does, does Puerto Rico have a coat of arms? Uh man, if it does, it's it's got to be uh, I don't know an avocado. A, avocado can yeah. have, um, you know uh, <laughs> they don't grow a, avocado in Puerto know. Rico. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. Yeah, I don't know why I wore my Dutch orange today, I guess. Um, well, we're going to be talking about the kingdom of Christ. We're looking at Discovery Bible, uh, that was Discovery, I just, it's the Discover Bible School. It actually drives me crazy when people call it Discovery Bible School. It's the Discover Bible School from the Voice of Prophecy. We're going to look at lesson number eight. We're studying actually the second coming of Christ today. And uh, the last one that we did was Lesson 7 that talked about this coming kingdom. And I guess that's what maybe motivated me now to put on my kingdom shirt as a reminder, perhaps, that all the kingdoms of this earth are going to pass away. When we did Lesson 7, we realized that the Western Roman Empire was going to break into all these European kingdoms. And here you go. I'm wearing my European kingdom as a reminder today that it too will pass away and the kingdom of Christ will come. That's right. That's right. There you go. And I just looked up the the coat of arms. Oh, you do have Puerto one. Rico, yeah. Oh, it's a lamb. It's a it's a it's, it's interesting Christian. because it has it has is there, are those lions? Yeah, it's got yeah, some lions. Lion, lions and and lambs. Your lion has a crown and mine does not. The Puerto Rican lion is superior. It's superior. I'm sorry, it's man. Superior. Yeah. 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 Just a bigger nation. Yeah. You might actually be the Netherlands is not very big. Now now I'm going to be curious as to which one has the most land mass. Um, the Netherlands or Puerto Rico? Well, that, that would be Puerto Rico is pretty small, though. It is very small. It's a small island. But, but That's but, why you had to leave. There was no more room yeah. for you. Well, we've taken up New York and New Jersey. And yeah, no, that's we right. got all kinds of land. You own the then. East we're, Coast. Yeah, we yeah. cut the whole East Coast, so we're good. All right. Well, Alex, let's, let's dig into our lesson before we – you know, I always run out of time because I talk about things that don't really matter. <laughs> and uh, what does matter is Bible study. This is the Discover Bible course. The Voice of Prophecy has been offering correspondence Bible courses since, what, 1942? I think it's yeah. 42. Yeah. It's in the 1940s yep, anyway. 1942. And, uh, and you're going to want to take advantage of this. Go to voiceofprophecy.com, voiceofprophecy.com, click on the Study tab, and find your free lessons. And, and I promise, they're free, honest and for true. No obligation, no strings. There's all kinds of options. You can do them online. You can get the course sent to you at your home. You could even request personal instruction. You can request personal right. instruction. Right. And if it's available in your area, we'll have somebody teach you all of the major themes of the Bible, all of the major themes of the Bible. Uh, there may even be study groups in some communities that you can join. 
Well, and our discovery centers are spread out throughout uh, all of uh, yeah. North America, and we've got folks that we that we're training on a regular basis, right? In order to so uh, you might want to take studies. a peek at discoverycenters.com, discoverycenters.com, and uh, they're all brand new, and so at some points the website is inviting people to become a discovery center, but you might be able to go there now and um, find out if there's a discovery center near you, and then you can join in study groups. Absolutely. So, yeah. All right. Let's take a look at lesson number eight, when Jesus comes for you. Uh, Alex, take it away. All right. So this lesson starts with a, with a story. It's a sad story. Uh, it happened in August uh, 12 of 2000. The Kursk is a Russian nuclear submarine, and apparently it sank in the Barian uh, or the Barents Sea, uh, during a training exercise, 118 crewmen that are sitting in that thing, trapped in in this uh, metal tomb, is what it ended up being. Uh, they finally get to them, but it's it's too late. They're they're all uh, they're all uh, passed mm. away. Uh, but as they as they get checking uh, folks in, in their property, they find um, they find a note uh, in one of the sailors' pocket, and he was sort of documenting the whole the whole right. thing, and, and right. it, it was going from it went from hope to despair and. And here's a quote from what from the note: We are feel we are all feeling badly. We are getting weaker from the effects of carbon monoxide. We won't hold out for more than 24 hours. And sure enough, um, they they didn't make it. Uh, you know, but that um, that story just kind of paints the picture of really what's happening in this world. Um, we're we're getting weaker. Uh, things aren't looking any better. We're, no. we're all dying from the carbon monoxide of sin, and and the question is: is is there hope? Is is there something more than than just what uh, the, what we're experiencing now? Right, right, absolutely. And this is a big deal because what I'm seeing happen in society around me is this growing sense of despondency. This is the perfect story for what I actually see. We've moved into a point in human history, particularly here in the West, where people have given up that there's any hope. They think, man, everybody is just in it for themselves, and civilization is disintegrating before our eyes. We don't have any grown-ups that run anything, and and there's despondency, and it does sound a lot like that note from the submarine. And we're just getting weaker, and it's getting worse, and there's no hope. There's no hope. Won't make it any any longer. Right. But the good news is that the Bible does paint hope for us. It, Mm. it, It does tell us that now. No, there there is something that's going to happen that 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 we should be looking forward to. So let's get into that. Uh, question number one in this lesson: What promise did Jesus make, assuring us that He will come again? And that's our mm. hope. The hope is the yeah. fact that Jesus has promised to come again and and take us out of this misery. That's found in John, John chapter fourteen, verses one through three. Uh, take that away, Sean. Okay. Let this is Jesus speaking. Let not your heart be troubled. I just want to pause right there, Alex. Mm. I know we got to get to the question, but the number of times that Jesus says, fear not, let not your heart be troubled. We're looking at Bible prophecy right now, and the way that a lot of people write about Bible prophecy in this day and age is they write these terribly frightening books about the world is going to collapse, and then mm-hmm. at the end of that, God is coming to destroy you. He can't stand you, you awful sinner. And the way that I read those books, they're in sharp contrast to the language of Jesus when he tackles Bible right. prophecy. He says, let not your heart be troubled. So when we put on public seminars on Bible prophecy, we'll often call them Revelation Speaks Peace, and people are surprised. Really? There's good news? Yeah, that's what Jesus says. Look, hang in there. Don't 
be worried. Let not your heart be troubled, it says, John 14, verse 1. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Wow. Preparing a place for us. Um, man, what, is, what does that mean? What, is that, what, what does that even look like? Mm. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm building more barns in, mm-hmm. in, in, in my place uh, as, if, uh, as if my kingdom is here in, in, on this earth. But God promises a kingdom. God promises a, a home where He's at, and, and this is where He wants to right. wants to wants to bring us there. And in, in in my Father's house, I think Scripture says are are many mansions. Many. Well, that's what He just says here in verse in this very passage. And what I I like that I've circled that word many because the way some people approach God is like, all right, God does not want you in heaven, you awful sinner. But because Jesus died for you, there's a technicality, a legal technicality. And so he's going to have to grit his teeth and he doesn't like it. But God has resigned himself to the fact that I'm going to have to let this one in. That's not at all the way that the Bible presents it. That's right. In my father's house are many mansions. This is what Jesus is doing now, getting ready. And it doesn't sound like he's getting ready for the saintly few that managed to skate by the, you know, by heaven's lawyer. This is a plan for as many people as possible. And the reason for it, where I am, there you may be also. God wants you there in that kingdom. He's not trying to find a reason to kick you out. He's looking for a reason to get you in. I mean, why would he give his son's life? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He wants you there. I read this with hope. When Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled, and I read the rest of it, Alex, I get excited. Like, man, many mansions, I want you where I am. This is the way the Bible talks about the second coming of Christ. Well, it's God's greatest desire. His, his greatest desire all through Scripture is to, is to reside with us. And we, we look at that again in Revelation 21 as, as, mm. as we get that promise of, of no, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death, no more crying. But within the context of, that, uh, of those verses, he talks about the fact that he's going to tabernacle with us. Right. He wants to live with me. Yeah, he wants to live with you. I mean, that that to me is incredible because it's, I don't even want to live with me sometimes. You know? No, I don't want to live with you. I don't even <laughs> like hanging out in the studio with you. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But you know, I I um I look at this. All of the world's religions have the human race striving to reach out to God. Oh, I hope I can hit Nirvana. I hope That's I can right. get to where. I, in in when you read the religion of the Bible, to put it. In, in one way, if you look at the faith that is presented in the Bible, it's God making all the moves. He's moving in our direction, not saying, well, all right, if you can reach me, you'll be lucky, I guess. That's right. Come look. No, no, it's him reaching out to us, and then he prepares a place for us, and he's coming back because he wants to be with us. Well, he stoops down in, in Genesis 1 and 2 and, and, and makes us. He creates us. Mm. And then he stoops down again right. through, from Genesis 3 all the way to the end in order to save us. And, and, and that, that, to me, is, is just absolutely incredible. Right. Uh, question number two here. How many people will see Jesus when he returns from heaven? Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm going to guess. It's actually a very educated guess, mm-hmm. but I'm. I going think to, you've looked at the verse before. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to guess that it's a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Revelation chapter one <laughs> verse seven says, "Behold, he is coming with clouds, and 
every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so, amen. You know, when God says every, I take right. him at his word. Right. Every eye will see him. And that, that man, that, that puts a lot of questions in my mind because if, if every eye is seeing him, then this must be a pretty visible, um, right. open event. There, there's no, there's no secret to this thing. Then, if every eye is seeing him, even even those who pierced him, uh, I, I don't know. Are you reading well, that? Yeah, no, I'm looking at that, and I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Hold the presses. You know, hold the phone here. Every eye will see him. I have spent a lot of time studying the history of the way Christians read prophecy, and and here's what I've noticed. For the first 18 centuries of Christianity, Christians virtually read prophecy in the identical way. They, they all got the same thing out of it. But since about the middle of the 1800s, you get this, I don't know, this proliferation of theories about Bible prophecy. And one of those has become somewhat popular in the West, only in the West. It's become popular today, and it suggests that not everybody is going to see Jesus when he returns. Yet here we have Revelation 1 verse 7 saying that every eye will see him. I see the clock running out. I did just open a can of worms, and we're going to have to take a little break, Alex. But um, it does say, doesn't it? Every eye every will eye. see him. We're going to take a little break. We'll be right back. searching for answers to life's toughest questions? Like, where is God when we suffer? Can I find real happiness? Does my life really matter to God? Or is there any hope for our chaotic world? The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers that you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online on our secure website or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. Find answers in guides like A Second Chance at Life. You'll find answers to the things that matter the most to you. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. The music streaming into my headphones tells me, Alex, we are back on the air, and we are looking at Discover Lesson number 8. If you go to voiceofprophecy.com and click on the Study tab, you can get a free copy of this material. What we're actually looking at is the discussion sheet that goes along with this. There are all kinds of wonderful resources that go with each lesson, and this is sort of a discussion sheet, and our subject is the second coming of Christ. And right before the break, we looked at Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, which tells us every eye sees Jesus when he comes. That's right. And just before the break, I was pointing out the fact that up until about the middle of the 1800s, 
everybody read prophecy or almost everybody not you know there's never been complete uniformity in christianity but the vast majority 90 some percent all read prophecy the same way and then in the 1800s you have this divergence of opinion and one of the new ideas that popped up in the 1800s sort of took on a life of its own and it suggests that not everybody sees jesus when he comes only a select few that's right yet that's really hard to reconcile with scripture i mean jesus says in matthew 25 that he separates the righteous and the wicked at his second coming. They're both there together. Right, right. And this theory says, well, only the righteous see Jesus come. Uh, Matthew 24, 30 and 31 shows the righteous and the wicked together when Jesus comes. Matthew 24, verse 37 tells us it's going to be like the flood. Well, at the flood, you had the righteous inside the ark and the unrighteous outside the ark, but they both went through that flood experience That's right. at the same That's right. time. And what the Bible is saying is when Jesus comes, everybody sees him everybody sees him yeah. and check out check out matthew uh, matthew 24 27 uh, for as the lightning mm. comes from the east and flashes to the west so also will the coming the, the coming of the son of man be right i, I mean this is the, the, these these are this is an event that that the bible is painting as as a powerful event uh, this is this is not something that's that's hidden um, and 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 tucked away somewhere this is this is powerful it's noisy it's bright right it, it's it, everybody is there it's, it's it's interesting it's interesting to read this and compare it to to what uh, what some things in in modern Christianity are saying right right no absolutely so I mean the the point is here we we like to take the scripture as it reads but of course you want to go through the rest of the Bible you want to read the the entire Bible and compare Scripture with Scripture, let God explain himself, and you do get some really interesting pictures that come up. And if you want to look more at that, I think you can uh, – do we have it available on the VOP store, a series we did, or a book called The Appearing? I think we, maybe. We do. Yeah. We do. And so go to Voice of Prophecy. The Appearing digs into that topic a little more deeply. It's not really what we wanted to talk about today, but uh, The Appearing is a book we put out some years ago that deals with a lot of – the historical interpretation of prophecy regarding the second coming of Christ. Uh, but the point in our lesson today, when Jesus comes, look, you're not going to have to check CNN to see if it happened last night. Oh, I heard Jesus came back and turn on the news to see. You're going to see it for yourself. Every eye sees him when Jesus comes. That's right. And I just looked it up on the website. We have a video of the appearing presentation, the book that goes with it, and and the study guides. And there so, you go. They uh, they can pick those Good. up there at the at the store. All right, question uh, question next. Question number three. Question next. Question next. I wasn't wasn't too much. Every question is question yet. next, except the last one. That's right. Um, that was question uh, previous, but this is question next. What is the purpose of Christ's return? Why why does he come back then? And this is Matthew sixteen twenty seven. Okay. Matthew sixteen twenty seven. For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Hmm. Now, that's uh, that's an interesting statement, and it's not the only place that that happens in Scripture. No. Uh, we often hear that Christ is coming, and he will reward according to his works. But what does that really mean? Well, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this. We've... The question said, what is the purpose of Christ's return? And we've already established the primary purpose of his return, that where I am, there you may be also. And right. I, I want to temper what we're reading with that thought. God wants you. But at the same time, 
He's going to reward each according to his works. God is going to set the universe straight. If you, if you think about it, the way the human race lives now, selfishly, sinfully, causing pain, causing distress, the devil can point at the human race and say, aha, that's what God made. And so the whole human race becomes a blight on God's name and character in front of the entire onlooking universe, and God has to deal with that at some point. We, we wouldn't want a God who doesn't deal with pain and suffering and sin. That's right. We want him to do it, except we don't want him to do it with us. We just want him to do it with everybody else. There's the human uh, tendency. So God is going to set the universe right. He's going to reward each according to his work. So those people that got away with wickedness their whole life, why is it that that guy lived like the devil, abused everybody, and uh, and then lived 10 years longer than everybody else and was filthy right. rich the whole time? Did God not see that? Yes, he did. And did God not see that humble man who was always giving of himself, gave his heart to Christ, had a hard life? Did God not see the hard life that guy got as a reward for following Christ? The answer here is yes. And there's a point in time that he has set where he will reward each according to their works. What's coming due comes due. Jeremiah talks a little bit about the fact that uh, that some people are blessed and others not. He, uh, you know, he cries out, "Lord, why? Why is it? Why is it?" And that I've done that. I have too. Right. I have too. Absolutely. But some people might read this, Sean, and 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 look at that and say, "Wait a second. God is rewarding according to their work. So, are we saved by works then?" No, not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. Uh, Ephesians 2 verse 8 is very clear that salvation is by grace through faith so that no one may boast of their work. So you will not come to a point where you say, I am in the kingdom of Christ because look at my life. That's right. I helped old ladies across the street. I put money in the plate at church every weekend. I read my Bible every morning. I prayed hard, and I have enough brownie points to cross the finish line. I am in the kingdom of God. No, no. Paul couldn't be any clearer that we don't bring anything to the equation, right? I like the old hymn, nothing in my hands I bring. Mm -hmm. You don't have anything to bring, but the reward does come due. For the sinful life that I have led, at some point, a righteous God is going to have to let me reap the consequences of that. For the rest of us, if he's going to record us according to our works, when you're covered by the blood of Christ, what's in your filing cabinet? That's the way I think about it. Right. Heaven opens it, and the life of Christ has been given to you as a gift. That's the record that's in my file in the filing cabinet. So I'm rewarded the way Christ deserves to be rewarded instead of the way a sinner deserves to be rewarded. That's right. That's right. And there's there's a transformational change that happens with uh, with an individual that decides that, you know, I'm going to yeah. align myself with, with the Lord. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The more you hang out with him, the more he influences you, the more you become Christ-like. That's right. And, right. and that's what, what that's what Scripture says. You know, we're, we're being trans, uh, transformed every day into the image of Christ. And and so when, when Christ comes, actually, it's quite it's quite easy for him from a, a, from a standpoint of deciding what what are uh, what's the wheat and what's what's the tares you know mm-hmm. what's uh, what's the what's the sh- what's what's the chaff because um, those that have decided to to align themselves with the Lord and and let God be the Lord of their lives um, 
that that's very clear. And, right. And those that are not, that's that's also very clear. Well, there's also something interesting that happens here because we want to be careful. God records according to our works, but as you've pointed out, you've got to read that in the context of, of Scripture to make sure that you understand that the works that save you are the works of Christ, not your own. That's right. Um, but at the same time, you read Matthew chapter 25, and Jesus comes and he separates the righteous from the wicked, calls them sheep and goats. And and what's fascinating is how many people um, there are portrayed as religious. They know Je- they call Jesus Lord, but they didn't live like he was Lord. And so you didn't see coming out of their life any evidence that they were actually in a relationship with Christ because they went on living like the devil. That's right. But they paid lip service to, to Jesus. Jesus says at one point, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will be in the kingdom, but those who do the will of the Father. That's right. Again, not earning your way into heaven. But if you're in a genuine relationship with Christ, it's going to show up. It's going to show them by their works. By their works, you will know them. Right. You know, it's 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 there. You'll see it. It it is transformational change, and that's that's the thing about Scripture. The Bible is the only thing out there that can take uh, that can take a solid criminal, a murderer, whatever you want to call it, and completely transform them into a godly man or woman. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. and again, I guess we've underlined this several times, but this is not in the slightest suggesting that anybody earns their way into heaven. Jesus earns your way into heaven, but it's which side are you on at that moment when he comes? That's right. Which that's side right. are you on? What do the works in your life? It's, it's the book of James. It's, I don't know if that's where you're headed, but mm. um, the, the, the Bible says in the book of James, even the devils believe and tremble, but their acts don't show that they have an actual relationship with Christ. That's right. You're not earning points. But are you connected to Christ? That's what we're looking at here. That's right. That's yeah. right. Let's head over to Thessalonians, uh, oh, 1 yeah. Thessalonians 4. Uh, the question that we're looking at is, when Jesus returns, what will happen to both the living and the dead who have accepted Christ? What will happen to them? This First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 and uh, through 17, if you'll take that. Sure. Yeah, this is one of my favorites. Paul writes to the people in Thessalonica here, verse 13, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. And that's the Bible's number one description for people who have died. It's 70-some times it refers to Mm -hmm. as sleeping. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring uh, with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede, go ahead, Mm. precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. And there we see some language again about yeah. the uh, the power of the second coming. Yeah. With a shout. I mean, when, when, when God shouts, when the archangel shouts, 
uh, when there's a shout in, in, in all of the heavens, because remember, every eye, every eye shall, shall see them. And, and uh, we're, we're talking about in other places in Scripture, heaven is emptied out. And uh, you, look at, you look at Daniel and you look at the number of the angelic beings up there, you know, right. ten thousands times ten thousands and thousands of thousands. Could be a billion. Yeah, it could can, be, you yeah. could. You know, can you imagine all of them shouting? Oh. This is this is not a, a quiet time, and the trumpet, the trumpet sounds. I mean, the trumpet, the trumpets that uh, that Israel blew when they marched around uh, Jericho tore the tore the walls down, and that was just a few trumpets. Imagine the, the angels playing mm. trumpets. Yeah, uh, to me, it's incredible. Right, and and again, here it is. Notice that the, I hear the music playing, and we just got into one of my favorite passages. But he, here it says, "We shall always be with the Lord." This hmm. is his fulfillment. I want you to be with me where I am. And That's when he right. comes, the earth is shaking. Those who are dead are coming out of their graves. Those who are alive and waiting for Jesus are caught up into the air. We're all caught up into the air to be with him. Why? So we can always be with him. It's the hmm. deepest desire of God's heart Amen. for you to be where he is. We're looking at Discover Lesson number eight, when Jesus comes for you. We're going to take a little break and uh, come back and finish our study on the second coming of Christ. Disclosure is just one of the programs brought to you by the Voice of Prophecy, like the audio adventure program, Discovery Mountain. Discovery Mountain is a weekly Bible-based program for kids of all ages and backgrounds. Your family will enjoy faith-building stories with Jake Donovan, <laughs> Mr. Simon, and others in this small mountain town. Each summer, campers visit Discovery Mountain, where they sing songs, learn about God, and reenact a Bible story with the help of drama teachers, Miss Wendy and Miss Tamara. With 24 full episodes every year and programming every week, your family will have something uplifting to listen to every week. Listen to episodes on demand and watch video features from director Doug at discoverymountain.com or on your favorite podcast platform. That's discoverymountain.com. are listening to Disclosure, talk radio from the good folks at The Voice of Prophecy. My name is Sean Boonstra. I'm in studio with Alex Rodriguez, our very own A-Rod. A-Rod. A-Rod, yeah. And we're looking at the second coming of Jesus Christ, and we were looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 just before the break. This comes out of Lesson 8 from our award-winning Discover Bible School. That is absolutely honest and for true. I promise it is free to you. Go to voiceofprophecy.com, click on the study tab, and uh, get your free lessons. Um, and we were just looking at this passage in 1 Thessalonians where Paul is addressing a group that's kind of worried because they're thinking back in the first century, Jesus is going to come again. What about all of our friends who have died? And the euphemism that it uses here is that they are asleep and God says, look, don't worry about that. When Jesus comes, there's going to be a great shout, as you were saying before the break, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead are going to rise, and you're all together, the living and the dead at that point who have come back, are going to be caught up into the air to be with the Lord, and we will always be with him. So there's nothing to worry about even in death. The second coming overturns death. And what a reunion in the sky that's going to be. Mm. I know uh, uh, 
Uh, we lost our our mother and my mother-in-law here oh, to yeah. cancer uh, just last year, and and that's been tough. And and I, but she died in Christ. She she loved Jesus, and and I can't wait to, uh, to uh, for this day for that reunion in the air. We'll get to see her again. I lost my dad a few years ago, yeah. and just to see him again, you know. It's it's the hope that we have, and and we can we can claim those promises. We can cling to those promises because what God has said will happen. Right. Notice that it says here too, don't sorrow like others who have no hope. It never says that Christians can't sorrow. Of course, That's pain right. hurts. Right. I mean, death hurts. Of course, there's pain with it, but we comfort one another with these words. What words? Jesus is coming. He will overturn death, and we will be with him forever. Forever. Yeah. And um, and that's encouraging to me. Forever is a long time. Yeah, it sure is. All right, number five, what will the ungodly do when Jesus returns? We find that in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 6, uh, verses 14 through 17. Revelation 6, 14 through 17. Yep. Uh, what will they do? Beginning at verse 14. 14. Okay. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his head and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Then verse 17, Then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp Sickle. Now, that is one of my favorite passages. It describes the second coming of Christ, but I don't think that's the passage in the question. Uh, did I? Yeah, no, Revelation that? 6. That's an excellent passage. Oh, that was. Though. What are, yeah, what are, what Revelation are 6. Refer- no, I didn't stop it because that no, is no. also Jesus will come and reap. It does fit <laughs> in absolutely, but, yeah. but you I, had. I gave you a little bit of extra bonus there. there that was bonus so you content could, you from could, A-Rod. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. One yeah. of these days I'll learn to read, too. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say no. something mean about sports, but I, I'm Don't. not going to go there. Don't. Uh, all right. Now, now that you're warmed up to Revelation, right. here's here's the correct passage. Uh, Revelation. You know, I've done that when I'm preaching before. Oh, yeah. You, but, but it happened yeah. to fit. You it, went it to the fit, wrong passage, and it fit. And that, I was going to keep reading. I was like, I'm supposed to stop at 17, but yeah, this but, really, really fits. But so gonna, far, we haven't on going. seen what do the ungodly do when Jesus returns? <laughs> that's, that's and you right. were never going to get there. I was never going to get let, there. Yeah, I yeah. should have let you read right to the end of the Bible. All right. Revelation, I would have just probably taken the conversation somewhere totally different. But yeah. Revelation chapter 6. All right. Now starting at the real verse 14. Then the, <laughs> then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day mm. of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Isn't that tragic? That Here is are tragic. people that have never developed a relationship with Christ, and when they see him coming in the sky, they're horrified. They're not excited at all. They're horrified. And what I find interesting, Alex, they know who he is. They refer to him as the Lamb. They know That's the story right. of That's the right. cross. They know what Christ has done. They've just either put it off or rejected it so long that now they're caught by surprise when Jesus comes. And the whole thing's ironically unnecessary. They're not scared of the lion of the tribe of Judah. They're scared of a lamb. Nobody's frightened of a lamb. This shows to me the complete unnecessity, the complete 
uh, futile nature of rejecting a relationship with Christ. He's there so that you can be with him for all eternity. He can wipe away tears from your eyes, and they're terrified of him even though he's a lamb. And, and, and notice that it's it's everybody. It's 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 there. It's not like the rich. It's not just nope, the poor. Nope. It's, it's not the. It, it's it's people scattered from from mm. from everywhere. Salvation is for everyone, but everyone has free choice, and everyone, depending on their situation, is is it's choosing on on a daily basis. That's right. No, that's and I'm glad you pointed that out because so often we like to divide the human race up into us and them. And the way that civilization has gone now, we like to point at certain people, kings of the earth, great men, rich men, ha-ha, of course they're going to hell, those people. That's right. right? No, it's everybody. They come from every group of life. And that, that the gospel uh, reaches a certain niche market, and that niche market is sinners, and they're found everywhere. They're found everywhere. So we've got the poor, the mighty, the rich, the slave, and from every walk of life, they're not ready. That's right. They're not ready. When Moses came down the, of the mountain, he had been in the presence of God. His face was so shining that um, that the people the people said he, he needed to cover his face, veil his face. Uh, mm-hmm. And here here is the brightness of the of the Son of God Himself. Mm. Um, and how, all the glory of His Father. And it all says the glory of His yeah. Father. How 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 bright that must be. And, and and those who have not been walking with him can't stand in the presence of God. No. They can't stand. So no. much so that they're crying out to the rocks to to cover them. Imagine that. Imagine being face to face with Jesus and saying, I wish I was dead. Yeah, that's incredible to me. No. It's, it's so unnecessary. Especially when he when he as we've already read, he has a place prepared for you. He's 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 preparing mansions. Uh heaven is is glorious. Who would not want to be there? Mm. But apparently there are there are many who are choosing to um to 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 die the the death that was prepared for Satan and his angels, as, right. as scripture says. Wow. Which is so incredibly unfortunate. One one more thing I want to point out here yeah. again is this is another set of verses that shows again the power um, and the brightness uh, of of the of the coming of Jesus. Um, I mean, rocks bursting, you know, mountains right. bursting, the the sky receding as a scroll. I mean, this is this nobody's going to miss this. Yeah, verse after verse after verse in Scripture, we we just powerful uh, powerful verses of what the second coming is going to look like. Hmm. Uh, verse, uh, well, verse, oh, verse, uh, chapter, uh, the book of, of Isaiah, chapter 25, verse 9. Question 6. Question 6, yeah. yeah. I should just said next question. Next question. I would have said next. fumbling. Yeah. Yeah. Isaiah 25, 9 is where we're going next, and it talks about uh, Jesus returning. When Jesus returns, what will be the response of those who are in okay, Christ? Okay, here comes the big contrast. So we have seen we have seen the the, the wicked. Now we see we see the response of Christ. All right, uh, go to Isaiah twenty five verse nine, and it will be said in that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for Him, and He will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for Him. We will be glad and rejoice in His salvation. This is our God. Yeah. 
What a contrast. What a contrast. Oh, no, the lamb has come. I wish I was dead. Or, this is my God. I've been waiting. He's come. It's true. He's here. I will rejoice in his salvation. Rejoice. Rejoicing in the salvation of God. Waiting. Waiting. That's a concept of Scripture. You know, wait, waiting, you know, in the book of Revelation, the 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 cry of, of those who uh, who have been slain the martyrs who have been slain how long oh lord how long and and god is going to reward the the those the, those who wait patiently because he's he is coming he is coming mm. you know and so alex what's the difference we just read the wicked wishing they were dead these people excited what's the difference you know i i, I think that the the difference is 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 based back in in Genesis chapter three, um, you know this this concept, this lie that uh, that Satan gives that you can be your own person, you don't you don't need anything else, and 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 folks in this world today are are choosing self instead of choosing God. They've been cutting their oxygen off uh, because God is the sustainer mm. of, of of life, and it's like reaching back if you're a scuba diver reaching back and cutting your bottle off underwater, you know, hundred feet underwater. That's exactly what people are doing in this in this world and 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 it, it's deeper than that because they have as you mentioned they recognize that this was the lamb mm-hmm. they actually don't want what the lamb has to offer right and so they they they've chosen this they don't want heaven they don't want eternity with 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 god and um and those that uh, those who recognize him as lord are, are the ones that say you know what i I I want I want this. Right. I want this. There's a clear difference here in relationship. One has zero relationship. These people have been waiting. I can't wait for him to come. I can't That's wait right. for him That's to right. come. And I would like to point out that if relationship is all the difference, the time to start working on that is now. You don't build a relationship in the last 10 seconds. You see the glow on the horizon. Oh, he's here. Lord, help. Too late. That's right. The time right. to start on this is now. I had a friend uh, some years ago that um, we had done Bible studies, and she had accepted the Lord, and and then the things of life hit her, and and she walked away from God. And we were in a conversation with a set of friends one day, and we got talking about the second coming, and she made this profound statement. She says, "You know, what I'm what I'm going to do is is when." When Jesus comes, I'm going to go find Alex, and I'm I'm going to hang out with him, and, and everything is going to be all right. Mm. And I thought to myself, it's gonna it's it's too late then. It, no. it's, it's too late. It's you not know? Alex. It's anyway. It's not Alex. Yeah, yeah. You, you've you've got to build that relationship with with. Wow, the you had somebody say I that. Had sense, yeah. You know, let me underline that too, then, for just a moment, because God does not have grandchildren. Uh, if you're banking on your parents' spirituality, now you need your own relationship with Christ. And That's if right. you're banking on the pastor getting you through, he can't get you through. If you're banking on your Christian friends getting you through, no, the time to enter that relationship is now. And I promise you, you can come to the point, like these people in Isaiah 25, where you see Jesus coming and it thrills you. It's the greatest desire of your heart. Um, now, there's an interesting guy. It's the greatest desire of Jesus' heart to come and get you. And at the same time, it's the greatest desire of your heart to That's be right. with him where he is for all eternity. What a contrast. What a contrast. And it's all relationship. Um, and the time to start that relationship is now. All right. We've got seconds to go before the next break. But maybe let's ask the question, Alex, and then move. Uh, we'll move to the break and come right back. All right. Question number seven. 
what hope does the Christian have in this troubled wor- world? We'll go into Titus chapter 2, verses uh, 13 and 14. Yeah, now there's a good question. Troubled world, tell me about it. You cannot, it's depressing to turn on the news now and watch. This world is becoming not less troubled as we go, but more troubled. And do, do we have any hope? Is there anything to cling to? Is there a reason to look forward to the future? We're going to look at that from Titus chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, right after this break. In the meantime, do go to voiceofprophecy.com, click on the study tab, find the Discover Bible School, the courses. There's a world of courses there. They're all free to you. And we'll be right back after this. Are you searching for answers to life's toughest questions like, where is God when we suffer? Can I find real happiness, or is there any hope for our chaotic world? The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online on our secure website or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. Find answers in guides like, Does My Life Really Matter to God? and A Second Chance at Life. You'll find answers to the things that matter most to you in each of the 26 Discover Bible Guides. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. Well, look at that, Alex, our very own A-Rod. We have rounded third base, and we're headed for home plate. It's the fourth segment of the program already. Can you believe it? Yeah. Did I hit a home run? Yeah, I think you've hit a home run so far. I think so. We've used up a lot of time, though, because you're so chatty. I, I, I am. <laughs> if I'd read the right verses, we'd be, we'd be fine. That was a good verse, though. I, I appreciated it. Question seven in the Discover Bible Guide, number eight. It's the, really the study guide that goes with the lesson. What hope does the Christian have in this troubled world? And we were going to go to Titus chapter 2. Titus, Titus 2, 13 through 14. I can't remember whose turn was to read. Oh, go ahead. I'll, I'll go just ahead. Read. Just make sure you're reading the right thing. Um, yes, Titus. Yes, I got it. Looking for the blessed hope. I love that. The, mm. the blessed hope. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. How are we supposed to get through that verse in the time that we've got I left? No I don't know. Yeah, but the blessed hope. This is, again, remember Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. And the way so mm-hmm. many people talk about apocalyptic themes in the book of Revelation is God's going to get you. That is not at all the way that the Bible presents it. These people no. could not wait for Jesus to come. Their hearts were calmed by the thought that Jesus would come. It was their blessed hope. It's glorious. Look at that word, glorious. It's blessed. Mm. It's glorious, the glorious appearing. We've been waiting for this. We can't wait until we're, we're with Jesus Christ. Well, here's why it's blessed and glorious. It says he gave himself for us. That's That's why, no matter what you've done in your life to this point with Jesus, you can face the second coming of Christ with absolute confidence. He's taken care of it. He gave himself for you. That's right. And check this this out, man. Every lawless deed, every Mm. every lawless deed. I mean, there's 
there's nothing that that you've done that God can't forgive. Is that is that what it's saying? Yeah, absolutely. Every it really, if you study the Bible carefully, the only sin that God does not forgive is the one you don't ask for. Wow. Right. It's it's the one that you won't bring to Him. You won't repent of. But every lawless deed, and there are no ifs, ands, or buts there. It doesn't say except murder. It doesn't say except adultery. It doesn't say except embezzlement from work. You might actually be in a place where you've lost your family or your marriage. Maybe you're even sitting in prison right now listening to this, and you wonder, can God deal with what I did? And the answer is yes. He can redeem from every lawless deed because he gave them. You can look forward to the second coming as your blessed hope. That's right. He will purify you according to this this verse. Mm. He purifies for himself his own special people. Wow. And and those special people are, are from every walks of life, and it doesn't matter where, where you've been and what you've done. God wants you to be his special people. And, and these special people, it's interesting because we see the word works in here again, zealous for good works. Because God, it's like he flips a switch in your mind, and you begin to love the things you used to hate and hate the things you used to love. That's right. And now you, you your desires are syncing up with God's desires. Well, and, th- and that's absolutely incredible. Wow. And, and we have to have that because, uh, you know, if you go to Genesis 6, we, you find that the wickedness of man is great. Every intent of the heart is evil continually. Right. All of us are in this state of sin, and God comes in and he transforms us. He purifies us. What an exciting, exciting mm-hmm. set of verses that is. Uh, Speaking of transform, question eight. Question eight. <laughs> what, there's the word, transformation will Jesus make in us when he returns? 1 John 3, 2. Mm. 1 John 3, 2. All right. I'll let you take that one. Beloved. I love the language of the Bible. As long as beloved, fear not, let not your heart be troubled. Mm-hmm. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. So there's a big future coming. But we know that when he, that's Jesus, is revealed, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Wow. That's 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 wow. Yeah, yeah, that is a wow. Wow. You know, Jesus said at one point to his disciples, John 14, verse 9, John 17, verse 6, that he came to show us what the Father was like. And, um, and then we can become more like him. We are – the human race was originally made in the image of God, and we tainted that with sin. God's going to restore it. We will once again reflect the glory of God as a human race because we've been utterly transformed. Do we have to wait for for Jesus to? We, do we have to do, wait for that glorious day before being transformed, or can can we can we be transformed? Well, the Bible now? talks about it happening right away, right? And um, it, and it talks about the fact that you start to hate sin, you start to love what Jesus loves. It's kind of like you know, my wife and I hang out all the, all together all the time now for like what twenty eight. years years or so. Well, I've been dating from dating better than three decades. Yeah. And the more you hang out, you ever notice how old couples start to even look like each other? Oh, yeah. So if you're hanging out with Jesus in a relationship all this time, you become more and more and more like him. That's right. And he changes the desires of your heart. And the happiest times I have is is when when I'm, I'm doing the things that God has asked me to do. There's there's no guilt. There's no there's no feelings of mm. of you know I've got to change my my ways. It's just when when you're when you're following God's God's commands and and you're you're living life in concert with Him. You know you're you're holding hands and that's really what it comes down to. Um, we we turned away from from God. 
We were in Genesis 1 and 2. We were, we were born to, to hold hands with God and walk through that garden. And then at some point, Genesis right. 3, we, we let go of God's hand. And, wow. and, and we went walking by itself. And God, God comes out and he stretches out his hand again. And he says, here it is. Here it is. Grab my hand. Let's walk together again. Right. And I tell you what, man, when, when that happens in my life and I'm walking with, with God hand in hand, Things are great. And that's the way that it works. So many people have this attitude toward religion that they better put a – if I'm going to be in a relationship with God, I better put a checklist on the wall. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, and then he'll love me. Nah, it goes the other way around. He loves you, and that's why we love him back. That's why we spend time with him. That's why he changes us because – he loved us first. He made right. the first move. That's right. While we were yet sinners. Romans, yes, yeah. while we were, were yet sinners. He, he, he died for us. He changes us. He loves us. He wants us. Right. He, uh, that, this is, this is the, the, loving, the loving God. I mean, that, that, that is beyond my understanding, that, that kind of – it, it probably only comes as uh, close in my mind to my kids. Mm. The way that that I that I love my kids, I I, I want to be with them. Uh, we got back from a trip just uh, just this weekend, and and I, I was sitting on the on the couch the next morning, and and my little one comes up to me, and she sits on my lap, and and she was like, "Daddy, I, I just I just missed you so much." And so I asked her, I said, "Why? Why did you miss me?" She looks at me, and she was like, "Just because, Daddy. Just because I mm. miss you." And and you know mm. that that love is and that's the love that God has for us. He misses us. Wow. He misses us. He created us to be with him, and he misses us, and, and he's going to make it right again. Wow. Did your wife want you back, though? Uh, she missed me a lot, too. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, she told me Question that. nine, though. We hear, this kind of dovetails in. Look at this question here. What impact should the hope of Jesus coming have in our lives? What should it do for us? First uh, John 3, verse 3. I forgot to turn there. Yeah, yeah. I'm there. Yeah. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So again, again, it's not a matter of putting a checklist. This is not done by rote effort. We keep underlining this, but that's because so many people have a tainted view of how it works with God. Um, Ephesians 2 verse 8 says you got to feel that you're not earning favor with God. You're not doing this to earn God's love or earn salvation. You're doing it because he's handled it all. He redeems you from every lawless deed. And so you begin to live with him, and it changes everything, and you become more like him. What do you think about this? Uh, you know, some people who, who say, well, you know, we, we, we're sinners. We're, we, it is what it is. When, when God comes, he's going to transform me. And at that point, I'll have love in my heart. At that point, you know, I'll, I'll want to do good things. I'll just wait until God well, comes. Well, I would give that a yes and a no. Because it is absolutely, yes, we are glorified when Jesus comes. The Bible speaks of being justified. That's being forgiven, made legally right with right, God. Right. Then sanctification, we hang out with Jesus and we become more like him over time. Uh, but then glorification, God removes sin forever, temptation forever. So there is a moment when that propensity you know that right. everything changes in the presence of god forever and sins permanently eliminated but if you think that you're just going to wait for the finish line and suddenly develop a relationship with christ you're fooling yourself that's right it doesn't right. work quite that way no he can put that love in your heart now he can begin changing you and again it's important alex that we don't sort of hang everything on that i've arrived 
nobody's going to feel they've arrived because the closer you get to Jesus, the less worthy you seem. That's right. That's right. So don't worry about that. Don't worry about your checklist. But you do worry about whether or not you're in a relationship with Christ and hanging on to him, holding his hand, as you say. Uh, so I would give that a yes and a no. You are going to be changed when Jesus comes. There's going to be a radical change, That's but right. the transformation doesn't begin then. You know, I think about the ten virgins uh, as you were talking, and, and the fact that all, all ten of them, uh, you know, at, at some point they had they had the Spirit of God. They had that uh, that that oil in their in their in their flask, and and um, eventually, um, e- eventually they run out of oil. Um, mm. Or oil in the lamp, uh, and some had some extra in their flasks, and 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 others others did not. They waited until the last minute to go and find that oil, and and it didn't work out well. No, for them. that didn't work out well at all. And I guess I'd underline too with everything that Jesus has done for you folks. Everything that he's done, why would you wait? Why would you put this down the road? I've got to tell you, I've lived on both sides of that fence, and life with Jesus is radically different and much better. I, as you know, Alex, have not hit sinless perfection. Yes, but yes. But I'll tell you what, I'm not as rotten today as I was yesterday, and I'm, by the grace of God, maybe a little less rotten tomorrow. Life with Jesus is just better all around, and it does change you. It does change you. Yeah, and I'm still on in that Titus verse. I hadn't uh, hadn't moved my Bible, oh. and it, I'm still looking at that, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing. And and I guess the 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 appeal that I that I would make here is it, it is glorious. It is glorious to walk with God. It's it's an incredible blessing. Uh, I, I know my life uh, would not uh, w- would not be as blessed if if I if I wasn't walking with the Lord, uh, doing doing the things that He's asked us to do, and. And, uh, and being connected to, to the Lord is, is transformational. Hmm. One more question yep. here. What invitation does Jesus give us so we will be ready to meet him? This is out of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22. Isaiah 45, verse uh, 22. Okay. Are you going there? I've got I am it. going I've there. Got, I've oh, got go it. ahead. Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is no other. Oh, I love that. Hmm. I am God. And, and that's that the whole Bible is all about and there that. There right? is no other. There, there is, is no other path. That's right. But I am Jesus. God. There is no other. That's why Jesus said, No one comes to the Father but through me. There is no other name given among men under heaven by which you can be saved. Look to me. Notice it doesn't say earn my favor. That's right. Look at what I've that's done. Right. Look at me. Study me. Hang that's out right. with me. I've got this. This is this is the the the, uh, the brazen serpent in the in the wilderness. Mm. Um, we were bitten by serpents, and and Moses is instructed to put uh, to put this this serpent on the cross. You know this this brazen serpent on the cross, and 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 you look, turn and right. look and be saved. And this is what God is calling us. He's saying, I I'm I am the one on that cross. I was made sin for you. I took your sin upon myself. Right. I'm on that cross now. Simply look at me, look to me, and be saved. You know, they used to sing a song at the church service where I gave my heart to the Lord, and it's a simple little chorus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Oh, yeah. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light. light of his glory and grace. My invitation to all of you listening today is explore Jesus. Have a look at him. I mean, what is there there that you could ever say no to? He healed the sick. He hung out with the untouchables. 
He offers complete forgiveness for everything that has happened in your life and the deepest desire of his heart is to return and have you with him where he is for all eternity. That's why Jesus is coming again, to live among us, to have you in his presence throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity. That's his love for you. I invite you to study your Bible and learn to love him. Uh, until next time, I'm Sean Booster. You've been listening to Disclosure from the Voice of Prophecy. Thank you.